coming to you from the Philadelphia area. This is the Westchester Church Podcast. Check us out at westchestercfc.com. Westchestercfc.com. Psalm 42 and verse 1. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God. My soul thirsts for the living God. Well, as the sons of Korah composed this song, a song that so vividly expresses just how much we need God. It's metaphorical of a deer who desperately and is frantically searching for streams of flowing water. So so obviously whenever we read this song, we envision a deer. And yet it is not merely thirsty because it's been walking around all day. Rather, I envision in my mind a deer that's out in the wild being chased by its predators. I don't know if, if there's any validity to this or not, but I have at least read that once, once a deer begins running, it can run very fast, anywhere between 15, 20, 25, 30 miles an hour sometimes. So this deer is running, it has a predator on its heels, its heart is violently pounding, its eyes are all bugged out. Until at last it leaps through a thicket and it scales the hillside and it evades the predator. But even after it has outrun its predator and gotten away from it, it it still runs as fast as its feet can take him. Until finally, at long last, its legs begin to grow weak and it slows down. And the deer begins to wheeze for oxygen as it searches deliriously for a stream of flowing water. So, I mean, yes, it it wants to drink water, but this, this is also a yearning for calm. This is a desire for safety and shalom. And yet, when it wanders into the random unknown, and at last it finds that flowing stream of flowing water, You know, this is where even an animal understands that I'm safe now. That everything is okay. That I've got all the water that I need here. So now all I have to do is close my eyes and rest. And so these psalmists say that that just as a deer pants for, for the flowing stream of water, he says, this is how much I thirst to be in communion with God. To rest in his presence, to be hidden and concealed in the shadow of his wings, to bask in the grandeur of his majesty. He says, this is all that I'm living for. These are spiritual necessities that I cannot exist apart from. And you know, we find so many times in scripture the king saying that as the deer thirsts for the flowing stream, so I thirst. I think about in First Chronicles chapter 11, we hear the king say, oh, that someone would give me a drink of water. 
First Chronicles chapter 11, King David is standing in the cave of Adullam. And he's got his mighty men with him there. Philistines have surrounded um, Bethlehem. And so this is why they, they're having to hide in the cave of Adullam. And it's there where in First Chronicles chapter 11, verse 17, it says, And then David said longingly, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem that is by the gates. Well, Bethlehem, as we know, was his hometown. He, you know, he drank from that well by the gate his whole entire life. Bethlehem had been where he, of course, had sent it to the care of his sheep and had led them to flowing streams of water once upon a time. And yet now in that dark, damp cave, memories of David's childhood vividly begin to burn in his heart. He begins reminiscing about all of those years of his life, you know, those, those young and innocent years, long before he had the responsibility of a nation and, and of being a king on his shoulders. And it's not so much that he longs for just any water, but he says that, you know, he, he is panting for a taste of home. He is thirsting for a former time in his life. I mean, have you ever yearned to go back to a time in your life that, that you had just enjoyed so much more than, than another time? This is where he is more or less right now, but what is most incredible about what this passage says to us is not so much King David, but about the mighty men of the king. Whereas David says, oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem. This, this isn't even an order that is coming from the king. Rather, it is so much more just a sigh that he's making out loud. And yet what these mighty men do at the behest of their king is, is they infiltrate um, a Bethlehem that is crawling with, with Philistine soldiers, ones who had been trained to kill them. And so all of these mighty men are putting their lives in jeopardy, where they break through enemy lines going into Bethlehem, and they break through enemy lines as they depart Bethlehem. I mean, at any moment, these guys could be noticed, they could be killed, they could be captured and tortured. And they are doing all of this just to give their king a sip of water from his childhood well. And, you know, it just begs the question, I mean, what would cause anybody to do something this, you know, outrageously loyal? Unless their king had absolutely captured their hearts. Unless they had loved their king so much and believed in him so much that even his size are their most urgent commands. And as a deer pants for the flowing streams of water, so David thirsted for water from the well of Bethlehem. And yet, of course, this would not be the last time that we would hear these words. We would hear these words again coming from the king. Oh, that someone would give me water to drink. And yet only this time, it's not King David who is saying these words. It's a different king. It's a far better king. 
This is a king who one day all of the kings to ever reign are going to bow their knees before. This is a homeless king. He's got this crown of thorns that somebody gouged into his skull. Every crevice of his body is lacerated. Raw pulps of marrow and, and bone matter burn. He is dehydrated severely. And he is suffocating in the darkness on a cross. And this was one of the most agonizing parts of any crucifixion. It was the torture, not of the nail so much, but it was now the torture of thirst. Or as you hung there long enough, sure enough, every time the person's throat would dry up. And then usually this raging, violent fever added an even greater dimension of agony to the crucified. These are the prophetic words that King David cries out yet again, Psalm 22, verses 14 through 15, where the king says that I am poured out like water and all of my bones are out of joints. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to my jaws. And yet only as Jesus says it, though, he doesn't use that many words because he can't right now, because this, this is at the juncture of crucifixion where your words are very few now, as we will see. As Jesus says it in John chapter 19 and verse 28, as he dies slowly on the cross, he says two words. I thirst. And it just hung there. You know, these are the very shortest of the dying words on the cross. Just two words, I thirst. But, but man, do they mean so much. And just like David in the cave of Adullam, this isn't even a command. This isn't even some cry to the heavens, but, but it's more like a sigh. It is a declaration of his human need, of, of a necessity of life that he is being deprived of on the cross. And this is yet another glimpse into the humanity of Jesus in, in such a grotesque manner. And it amazes us and we marvel at the fact and at the reality that the God who created the universe and who silenced all of the seas, all of those storms that he happened upon, he thirsted for water, just as we thirst for water. And as we walk to the foot of the cross and we look up at the man, what we experience is that with every fiber of his being, Jesus is crying. Jesus is pleading for even a single drop of water. The same God who quenched the Israelites' thirst from the rock at Horeb, who broke through the enemy lines of an entire world that was um, antagonistic and that was living in, in hostility towards him as enemies. And he came and he broke through enemy lines in this world in order to turn our water into wine. This Jesus who broke through the enemy lines of, of us and them, of Jew and Samaritan, and who stood at the well of Sychar and said to the Samaritan woman, give me a drink. 
And as they continue their conversation, Jesus says, I'm not speaking about just water, water. I'm speaking about living water. I'm talking about real spiritual water. And the Samaritan woman is, is very bemused and she says, well, well this, this is Jacob's well. He used to water his animals out of this well. Are you telling me that you are even greater than Jacob? And with a loving smile on his face, Jesus replies and he says that, that everybody who drinks out of the water of this well, they will be thirsty again and again and again and again. But whoever drinks of this kind of water that I and only I can bring to this dehydrated world, when they drink it, they will never thirst ever again. But it will become in them a spring of life welling up to eternal life. And so now as we return our minds to the cross with all of this in mind, as the purveyor of true and living water helplessly cries aloud for water and, and about his thirst. And he deserved all of the well of Jacob's and Bethlehem's and, and all of the flowing streams of Palestine had to offer. And wouldn't you know, though, that as Jesus cries out in his thirst, and as he is is um, in desperation for, for even a drop of water. All that we offer Jesus was, was a soggy sponge that had been soaked with um, vinegar. That's all that we offered him. And this also had been in fulfillment of what King David says elsewhere, Psalm 69, verse 21, where he says that they gave me poison for food. And for my thirst, they gave me sour wine to drink. As the deer pants for living streams, so Jesus, Jesus thirsted and wheezed on the cross. And all that he got was, was a sponge of sour vinegar raised to his mouth. And yet, you know, every single day, Jesus is still crying aloud, I thirst. He's still saying, give me a drink. He's still saying, oh, for a taste of water out of the well. And yet for so many people and so many times in our past, he was not given water. He, he was given a soggy sponge soaked with Nothing but sour wine and vinegar. Then he will say to those on his left, Apart from me, you cursed. Into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels, Jesus says. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. I was naked and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And then they will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or, or a stranger or naked or sick or, or in prison and we did not minister to you? And then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, 
So you did not do it to me. And I mean, this is a passage that we cannot possibly overemphasize. This is something that we do not want to be on the wrong side of. Or as a deer pants for living streams of water, so Jesus thirsts for the hungry to be fed, for the stranger to be welcomed, for the naked to be clothed, for the sick to be visited, for the incarcerated to be loved and remembered and visited. And yet in a word for those who are thirsty to drink, as a deer pants for living streams of water. So Jesus is thirsting for a church this morning and he's thirsting for his believers to have a violent sensitivity and to have a violent grace in their hearts for the vulnerable, for the weak, for all of those in our society who are the underdogs and, and who are poor, for all of those precious souls who are are going through their life ostracized. It's the people who are a laughingstock, who feel broken, who, who are always feeling as if they're on the outside looking in and who are made to feel as if, well, I'm, I'm not good enough. I just don't measure up to all these others in society. I mean, Jesus identifies not as the very richest or the flashiest among us, but as the poorest and the most pitiful. And what Jesus is saying to me and what he's saying to us this morning is, is that how we treat those vulnerable least of these people, this is really how we're treating Jesus. Selah. You know, sometimes it's, it's that woman living in the streets. Or as we walk out of a restaurant, we have a bag of food in our hand that we thought was going to be our lunch. But when the follower of Jesus takes one look at that woman sitting outside the restaurant, we realize this, this bag of food no longer belongs to me. This is her lunch now. Other times it's writing a heartfelt letter to someone in an orange jumpsuit as a number of people in this church do, and I praise God for that and for your examples. And yet what I've recently understood, it took me a very long time to, is that this is not merely limited to the homeless and to the incarcerated, as absolutely holy as that is. But this is, in fact, anybody and everybody who in any way cries, I thirst in their desperation in the world. There have been times where I imagine every single one of us have personified this in the church. It's the families who have been hurting and agonizing for so long, but only for their pain to get even worse somehow. It's that person who keeps showing up and who keeps serving God, even though they are utterly exhausted by their hardships and they are hanging by a thread. Once upon a time, I was a 26-year-old minister who couldn't say two words without stammering and twitching until I became mute. 
I would work so hard writing the most, most um, prescient sermons that I could, only to go up there and to trip over my words. And I would hear the laughter. I see people looking at their watches and sighing. I spoke to a guy once who said, well, it's, it's nice that you want to be a preacher, but you just got to learn how to talk first. I went to a men's business meeting at a church where I was the minister of, and, and the face of the men's business meeting said that, with me sitting two feet away from him, that we have a preacher who stutters. And I would just feel so inferior, so utterly worthless. I would sit in the empty auditorium almost every week thinking, that was the worst sermon that has ever been preached. Only to go home and to get a phone call from, from a faithful man of God who said, Hey, listen, you brought us the word of God this morning. And I just want to let you know that I can see Jesus in you. A faithful woman walked up to me with, with tears in her eyes saying, that, that sermon was more helpful to me last week than, than you will ever know. And she wasn't just saying it. It was very obvious that she absolutely meant that. And as this faithful man and as this faithful sister in Christ said these things to me, I felt as if I was a deer who was being brought to streams of flowing water. I mean, have you, you, know, have you ever gone for a run before? Or have you ever cut the grass in late August or September? And then you go back inside and you have that first drink of water where you take a long sip. And the voice and the, and rather the sound that you make is, and you know, that is exactly what happens when we see all of the thirsty people of society, however it is that they might um, thirst and, and we give them something to drink. We take them out of a dry and a weary land where there is no water and we bring them to flowing streams of water. And as they go, Jesus, more than anybody, is going, and that's because as he reveals to us here, he's really the one who's drinking. And you know, this is why I have always, you know, if I'm going to err in my judgment, this is why I am going to err on the side of grace. I'm going to err on the side of patience and mercy and loving kindness. Because, I mean, which one would we rather hear Jesus say to us? Hey, listen, <laughs> you were way too merciful on that guy, okay? If he says that, you know, you, you just had way too much compassion for those people. Would we rather hear Jesus say that to us, or would we rather hear Jesus say, listen, you were way too harsh. You were far too callous with that sister, or, or whoever it was. I mean, can you just imagine standing face to face with Jesus at the end of the times and saying, hey Jesus, look how shiny our church building is. 
Jesus, I crossed all the T's and I dotted all the I's. Jesus, look, I can quote Matthew chapter 25 in Greek. I spent 40, 50, 60 years in the church arguing and bickering about the stupidest things imaginable in, in business meetings. God, I dressed to the nines whenever I opened up a Bible. And yet, you know, when we give our lives to that kind of stuff, when that becomes the most important things in our lives, we're not taking Jesus and we're not taking the world to streams of flowing water, but, but what we're doing is we are lifting up a soggy sponge soaked with vinegar and we're saying, here, Jesus, drink it. And a broken, vulnerable world wheezes and dies of spiritual dehydration. I have to remind myself every single day that in the voices and in the plight of the thirsty of our world, Jesus is still crying from his throne that as a deer thirsts for the flowing streams of water, so I am thirsting to have my thirst quenched. Jesus is still crying, oh, for a drink of water from the well. He's still saying that I thirst. So the question that I ask myself and the question that, that I encourage all of us to likewise ask ourselves is, which one is it going to be today? Is it going to be the water of the grace of Jesus Christ? Or is it going to be the soggy sponge of ice-cold indifference that, that drops the drips of vinegar? I don't know about you, but I don't want to hand Jesus a sponge of sour vinegar. As Jesus told the Samaritan woman about his true and living water, and this is where we close this morning. Even though most of the Israelites especially those as the religious leaders wanted nothing to do with Jesus. I just love this Samaritan woman. She says, sir, give me this water so that I will never thirst again. And she's off into the city and she is, is explaining to as many people as she knows that, that I just met the Messiah. Come and let's get true and living water from him. And you see, as the deer pants for, for the streams of flowing water, so she pants it for the living waters of Jesus. And so it's all of those who are weary this morning. To all of those who thirst. To all of those who have cried in this past week until you couldn't cry anymore. To all of those who feel as if you can't go one more step. Whatever our need is this morning, let us hear the words of Jesus in the words of King David in Psalm 34 and verse 8. As the king says, O taste and see that the Lord is good. And let us have a faithful, insatiable desire to satisfy the thirst of the broken with the urgency of the mighty men of David. When the king sighed, oh, for a drink of water from the well.